You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hi, everybody. This is Rick Hadrava again, and you are listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Can't, uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you tuning in today. And we're going to do something a little different, a little uh, off the usual scale of things. And I think I'll, I'll start this way. Um, I've always remembered a quote that I think Jim Rohn put out there that said, look, a formal education will make you a living, but self-education can make you a fortune. And part of that is reading, it's attending seminars, it's learning from other people. And I love learning from other people's stories. As a consequence, I always seem to have a stack of books on my bookshelf that I'm intending to read, uh, usually 10 to 12 deep. And on top of that, I I seem to, for some some reason, constantly receive books from friends um, who know that I love to read books. Recently, I was given a copy of the book Talk Triggers, and one morning, Saturday morning, I was having coffee, the book was sitting there, and I felt compelled to simply open the book and start going through the pages. And I will tell you that I quickly found myself indulged in this book. I was underlying key parts book that I found very interesting. Uh, I found myself writing in the pages along the edges of the book, kind of some thoughts that were coming to my mind as I went through it. And I have to tell you that it's been a long time since a book really, really did that for me. And part of that is my organization, we spend a lot of time thinking about and working on things like the ultimate client experience how we keep customer or client retention high, and ultimately, how can we increase the referability of our organization and the organizations that we work with? If you are a business owner and you're concerned with these things, I believe that you're going to get something out of our episode today. Our guest is Daniel Lemon. He is the author of Talk Triggers. And let me just give you a little background on Daniel before we bring him to the show. He is a food technology co-founder. He is a trusted marketing advisor and best-selling author on reputation management, digital marketing, and social media customer service. He was an early member of Google's global communications team, and Daniel led the launch of products in North America, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, as well as the Asia-Pacific. He also edited the Google Zeitgeist weekly research report featured in over 40 markets worldwide. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced that, but Daniel will hopefully uh, step in there. (laughs) He's also the CMO and co-founder of Eat ID, which is a food intelligence company that powers faster and more meaningful food discovery through digital experiences. As I've told you, he is the co-author, actually, of Talk Triggers with Jay Bear, and it explores the word-of-mouth marketing and lays out an indispensable framework for building this in your own organization. Daniel regularly provides expert commentary on television and in high-profile publications such as the New York Times, USA Today, CBS Radio, and Fox News. 
He speaks and leads workshops across the nation, and he writes for the world's most popular content marketing blog, which appears on the Convince and Convert website. He's a native of Ohio. He earned his MA in communications and leadership from Gonzaga University. Today, he currently resides in Los Angeles with his Cocker Spaniel Truman. He enjoys the simple joy of gin martinis, jazz, and eating his way around the world. Uh, He'll literally try anything as long as it doesn't bite him back. So with that introduction, and uh, I think it's only uh, time that we introduce and welcome Daniel Lemon to the studios. Daniel, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Rick. Uh, so good to to be here. Thanks for, for making time and having me on. You bet. Well, listen, so uh, I want to talk about food because I feel like there's a link in there, <laughs> but, but, but let's get to the book and just launch into this. What caused you to write the book Talk Triggers? You know, it's funny. It actually comes down to food, I think, is <laughs> we'll make that pivot back to food very quickly. You know, when my my writing partner, Jay Bear, and I first started talking about the topic that became talk triggers, the idea that became talk triggers, we were remarking on some of the sort of iconic experiences we both have had, um, in particular, the Cheesecake Factory, which is one of the the signature case studies in the book. Uh, The Cheesecake Factory, of course, has a lot of things it's famous for, but we were actually kind of curious to understand among all of the things that Cheesecake Factory does, what is it that customers notice and talk about? And is there uh, a bigger lesson in there for us to to learn from, you know, for a lot of companies like the Cheesecake Factory that seem to have these signature things people notice and talk about again and again and again? Is there something we can learn from them and apply. And what we found was quite surprisingly uh, that this is the notion, the topic, the idea of word of mouth marketing. And uh, not surprisingly, of course, word of mouth is the most trusted form of, of advertising and business growth, but very few companies actually have a strategy for doing it. And that really surprised us. So the, the inspiration for the book came out of, sort of a, a conversation about food in the cheesecake factory, but it it was the the broader idea was we realized not enough companies are really engineering word of mouth moments for their business. And that's a problem that that we thought we could solve. So um yeah, very much a food based <laughs> inspiration, as so many things in my life seem to be. <laughs> I understand completely. Well, what is it, you know, so that makes me wonder, why wouldn't an organization give thought to why word of mouth works? You know, it, it's a great question. And it was actually something we were curious about, too. Uh, in part, it it hasn't neatly fit in any one, in any one uh, uh, area of the business. Uh, it's some cases it's a customer service driven thing in other cases it's something more strategic about the business it, it never really had a, a sense of ownership in the company uh, and then I think the other historic reason 
for it is even today when we look at where does word of mouth happen, we assume that it happens on like places like Yelp and and Facebook and Twitter, but still fully 50% of word of mouth happens offline, which means it's very difficult to measure and understand and interpret. And of course, historically, it was probably 95% offline. So when we thought about word of mouth, we we sort of assumed and hoped our customers were doing it on behalf of our business, but we didn't really have a way to, to measure it in any level of detail. So, you know, as things have evolved, we've become more aware of it. And, and just as advertising has seen a, at least for the moment, a sort of a passing <laughs> fad, I guess, you know, we don't necessarily trust advertising as much as our friends and our family. Uh, word of mouth has become more front and center on on a lot of chief strategy tables, be it from the marketing chief marketing officer, CEO, uh, customer experience leader, uh, or who, whomever it might be. Absolutely. I mean, we all know as business owners that when somebody's referred to us, it almost instills a little bit of confidence out of the gate. So we were talking about the Cheesecake Factory. And Daniel, what is it? You know, it was the menu in there, but did they set out to make that the talk trigger for the for the company? You know, it we never got a straight answer to that question when we asked. So I, I can't say for certain um based on what they told us. I I would say so we didn't actually talk about Cheesecake Factory's uh word of mouth trigger, which in our research uh they have a few. Um, of course, the cheesecake, their signature cheesecake. But uh, the the one that really intrigued us was the size of the menu. You know, that that big, giant cheesecake factory menu. You've probably experienced it. I've experienced it many times. Uh, and yet, you know, I still talk about it almost every time. And And what we came to kind of realize is with Cheesecake Factory, it's uh, the the big giant menu that we all kind of laugh about and joke about, but at some deep level really appreciate it. It's connected to Cheesecake Factory's brand ethos, which is sort of everything there is big. Portions are big. The cheesecake is big. The wait time is longer than you want it to be. The The whole experience is big. And certainly the menu is part and parcel of that, that experience. But what we found when we looked at a lot of examples of companies that seem to have these signature moments, a lot of them are operational in nature. They're not promotions or campaigns or stunts. They're actually some sort of, there's an operational element to how that thing is delivered that makes it so memorable. Uh, and I think with Cheesecake Factory and the menu is a good example of that. So it it really can be organic um, in, in its, in kind of its support, right? So maybe the menu was, was developed for another purpose, but it became, you know, that talk trigger like you've talked about. And I have to tell you, I can personally give you a couple different examples of cheesecake factory uh, experiences where people who have been have said to me, have you ever been there? It's the greatest. They have this huge menu. So when I read that in the book, I, I chuckled. You know, uh, because I do think it's a real thing, um, and, and it's fascinating. What so so? Talk to us a little bit. You know, in the book, you talk about four talk trigger criteria. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit on that, and maybe a story or two? 
Yeah, you bet. Uh, we, um, I mean, this was something we based. We looked at probably 150 examples uh, and tried to distill out what are the the things that that really bind these ideas together. And we came up with this notion of the four requirements. Uh, and the, the first is that the idea has to be remarkable. Uh, remarkability, of course, if you, if it's not something that rises to the level of remarkability, it's not going to be something people talk about by uh, um, by obvious association. So remarkability is one. The second is relevance. Uh, often we when we think of word of mouth, we begin to think of sort of big viral stunts and and campaigns. And while those might capture attention, they're not always necessarily relevant to the product experience. So relevance was the second. Third was uh, that the idea does best when they're reasonable. Now, I mean, some may argue Cheesecake Factory with its menu is a little bit unreasonable. They have something like 85 chicken dishes on, <laughs> on their menu. It's, uh, and we, we had an intern count the number of words in the menu, uh, would you like to guess how many words are in the Cheesecake Factory menu? I, I don't know that I could even guess. It's, I imagine we're, we're talking a couple thousand. You, you're, you're in the ballpark. Uh, it's, about, it's around 6,000 words. Wow. So we, we might argue that's not reasonable, but it, um, the ideas do, do best when they're reasonable in nature and not these sort of big, flashy stunts. And then the last is, and this is a really important one, Every customer who you come in contact with has to have the same chance to experience that. So these aren't ideas for our VIP customers, our favorite customers, our highest spending customers. Generally, when you do that, it actually creates classes of consumer. And it's not hard, you know, uh, with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram now to see the the what happens there is some people talk about the fact they got access to this great experience and others see that they did not <laughs> and then they they feel left out so you, you create these classes of consumers it can it can actually do more harm than good so repeatability is is very important if to do something consistently for your customer uh, is really actually hard to do in business that that's part of the magic of it so the you know the four requirements remarkable relevant reasonable and repeatable and you know daniel repeatable is also a key ingredient to scaling right scalability of a company um and what's interesting to me in the cheesecake factory is that if i remember right they 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 spend almost no money on marketing right it's very, all very little yeah it, and um that that's been very profitable for them as well. For sure. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so interesting, your comment on, on scale. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you ever uh, rented a car from enterprise uh, back in the era when they would pick you up, which was kind of their, their talk trigger at the time. We'll pick you up. I do remember that and, and actually experienced it a couple of times. Yeah, I well, I tried to experience it a couple times. I, <laughs> living in LA, I mean, traffic in LA being what it is, it's a little harder for for them to pull that off. But uh, I remember calling and saying, um, "Yeah, I'd like to make a reservation." Oh, hey, can you come uh, pick me up? And they're like, "Yeah, we actually can't." 
uh, do that. So <laughs> sorry, but that's not an experience you get to take part in. And I thought, well, that's curious because you say like, we'll pick you up and yet now you're not picking me up. So that means I didn't, I did something wrong. Uh, and I think it's just the nature of the, they don't offer pickup in some locations, but you know, that repeatability, it, it certainly didn't leave me with a great enterprise car rental experience. Absolutely. Well, I think that even goes into, you know, that part of you've got to do what you say you're going to do. Right. And, um, yeah, that that's it. It's interesting that that would have happened, but I could see that in L.A. I have to admit to you, it's got to be hard. Um, so, so you've talked about the four talk trigger criteria, Daniel. What are the types of talk triggers that businesses have that we should be thinking about? Well, yeah, there's a few categories. I think we 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 in the book uh, up, uh, up used the. F- five different categories, which aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. They're um, just one way to think about how these come to life. Uh, probably they're the, the five in total, uh, we, we talked about empathy being one category, uh, usefulness, uh, the second category, uh, generosity was the third, speed the, was the fourth, and the last was attitude. And among those, I think my my favorite category frankly is empathy uh, because so well we just live in a time where a little more empathy couldn't hurt i don't think we have we have certainly a a lack of it so companies that that take a moment to show empathy for their customer and and take that extra step at a little goes a, a real long way uh, when it comes to empathy. So uh, that's probably my favorite there, because we found so many examples of organizations that are doing great things with it, you know, and, and you realize how much, how much air there is on the high road. It, I totally agree with you. Um, is there a story that comes to mind when you think about talkable empathy? Yeah, so many. Uh, I think one that... Probably a lot of uh, of of your listeners could relate to because it's such an easy one to to do. Uh, it's a an oral surgeon in New Jersey named Dr. Glenn Gorab. Uh, and what is remarkable about this is he uh, may not be the best oral surgeon. He actually said to us, "I I don't know that I'm the best oral surgeon," which I think is a strange thing for an oral surgeon to say, but. <laughs> You know, a lot of a lot of doctors will call you after surgery to say, "Hey, are you are you still alive? I mean, are, are you okay? Are you all right? Uh, how how did the surgery go?" Um, and he and he realized that there was an opportunity to to maybe do something a little, to do that in a, a more empathetic way. So he actually calls patients every Saturday for those coming in the following week. He calls and says, "Hey, uh, this is Doctor Glenn." Um, I see you're coming in next week. Uh, do you have any questions? Any concerns about your surgery? Um, anything I can answer? And what he has found is that is the single thing that people have attached to him. He, people actually seek him out. They see him as this empathetic, very warm doctor. I mean, he is a very lovely, uh, lovely man. 
and I'm going to assume not a terrible surgeon, but uh, does the people feel like he understands them? And you know, he said to us, "I don't, I don't understand why all doctors don't do this. It doesn't make sense." But I'm glad they don't because I can continue to stand out uh, on the fact that I do. Uh, and it, what it, it really is, is drawn from empathy for the patient's experience in that case. You know, he knows they're going to be anxious. Why not try to solve, resolve that anxiety before they come in so they feel a little less um, scared of it? So, uh, yeah, empathy can come to life in a number of different ways. Well, I was just thinking, you know, there are industries where you set appointments and it could be, you know, you're buying a new house, um, a doctor's appointment. The list goes on and on. And a lot of times you go into those situations and it's overwhelming, right? Let's, hey, buy a car, right? Just the whole process. And I got to think that um, by thinking about the customer and the customer experience, empathy is a great way to not not only get your get your um, company known, right, for, for what that experience is like, but it's really putting the the client out there first. And I think it's, it's a question. It's why don't we, it seems so easy, Daniel. Um, I'm just wondering why we don't do that more. We were, we wondered the same thing. And um, yeah, you actually brought up probably the most important point, which is this is about aligning to your customer, knowing your customer. And I mean, it's hard to be empathetic with someone if you don't know where they're coming from, right? That one thing is, is requires the other. Um, so yeah, the getting close and getting aligned with your customer is critical to being able to, to identify gaps in your customer experience where you can do something like Dr. Glenn. Well, so, you know, as, as you're thinking about these, the, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is, Let's say I want to evaluate, I want to step back and I want to look at what we do and think about the experience that our clients come, you know, they go through, our customers go through when they interact with us because I do want word of mouth. I know that it's the cheapest way to grow my business, uh, probably the fastest way to, or one of the fastest ways to really get growth is word of mouth. Um what advice would you give for a business owner who wanted to evaluate where they are and find opportunities to um, put some of these practices into their business? I, I all of this starts with with customer interviews. Quite quite honestly, um, in my in my own sort of startup capacity, I've now done probably hundred fifty customer interviews. And what's so interesting about it is a lot of a lot of companies don't do this regularly. They they may have customer surveys and feedback forms, but actual live conversations with a customer are not something a lot of companies do. And you 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 know when companies are doing it, you can see it in a lot of the little things they do that feel like wow they they just really get me that all comes from customer interviews so it you know that is something i encourage every single listener 
to commit to doing in the next 90 days, go out and talk to a dozen of your customers and say, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to make some changes in my business. I want to, I just want to learn what's on your mind. You know, how are, how are you and what, what are you going through? Uh, we we actually gave some frameworks in the book for for good questions to ask in those 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 interviews. These don't have to be hour hours long. You know, fifteen twenty minutes is enough for you to begin really understanding the customer experience, their journey, uh, maybe little gaps where you could make some improvements, uh, and certainly identify some opportunities like with Dr. Glenn, where you might be able to make a, a little operational change. His case, calling patients before and not in, before as well as after the appointment is a big, from the customer's perspective, the patient's perspective, that was a big change and one that was very noticeable. So, Daniel, on the 150 interviews that you've done, is there a variance between very large organizations and small organizations, or do you gravitate? You know, have your um, interviews gravitated one way versus the other? Yeah, I mean, in my case, I'm uh, uh, starting this this new company or a food technology company. So we're talking to uh, everyday people about you know their food their food journey uh, aligned a lot on digital health. So people trying to manage health conditions through food uh, are a big focus for us. Uh, but you know we're we've learned so much about the the shortcomings in the food world, uh, how how people find food and and identify recipes and products and menu items that are okay for them. There's so much opportunity for improvement there, uh, and a lot of that we wouldn't know just by uh, by other third party research. We can make some assumptions, but hearing people say yeah, it's really hard for me to to do this or that. Um, is is super valuable. You know those those conversations when you hear someone say, you know, it's really hard for me to accomplish this one thing. Uh, that's when you want to start listening very closely because maybe it's not a problem you solve yet or even thought about. But if it's a problem and enough people are telling you about it, it's a, that's an opportunity. It's great. It's great information for you as a business owner. And I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about what you commented on a 90-day campaign. And I, I'm just sitting here thinking, what if our listeners took that 90-day campaign to heart and said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a goal to talk to this many people over the next 90 days who have done business with me or who are customers of mine or clients of mine. And I'm going to have those conversations that you've outlined in your book Think of the, I'm just sitting here thinking, what what would that tell us as business owners and what opportunities would emerge from that? And, and then the other side is, what what would that experience itself be like for that client or that customer? Yeah, we, uh, having, I've coached uh, a handful of companies through this process now since, since we uh, launched the book, and it's so gratifying because the the process itself is actually such a wonderful experience for the company. They they feel energized and a renewed sense of connection to their customer. Like I really feel 
I, I remember why I did this. <laughs> I remember why I started this company. I, you know, we've kind of lost, we've lost that over the years. Like we're just managing bottom line. We're making changes to improve profitability, but we kind of lost the, why did we start this? That, that renewed sense of spirit, it's a wonderful way. You know, it, it's a great way to frame the, the exercise. And I, I, uh, I think, I think, People have a lot of fun with it when they embrace it that way. Well, so you talk in the book about getting that information and creating that candidate, that, that talk trigger, but testing it and, and measuring it. Um, and, and then get, you know, we talk about expanding it, turning it on, amplifying it. Um, do, can you take us through that briefly on, on basically, okay, I've got the information and the feedback from my customers and I'm testing some things. Um, why is that so critical and how does it help us get to that point where we could develop our own talk trigger? Yeah, well, that, that testing process is so important because, you know, investing resources to, to necessary to, to build a talk trigger in, in your business is not it's not for free. I mean it can take certainly time, if not money. It may be in fact a new initiative you have to to take on. And you only want to do that if it's going to to help you fill that that word of mouth gap. Remember we we talked about how 50% of word of mouth happens online, 50% happens offline. But by and large, none of it happens if you aren't doing some sort of ignition, uh, this moment of, of ignition. So if the, an idea that you've developed doesn't ignite, it doesn't catch fire with people in a way that makes them want to go out and talk about it, it doesn't mean it's a bad idea, but it's maybe not the best word of mouth idea. We go, remember, go back to that framework, the remarkable, relevant, reasonable, and repeatable Sometimes the ideas we come up with aren't remarkable enough. Maybe they need to be made a little bit bigger, a little bit more uh, extravagant, if I will. They may not be remarkable enough in, a, in its current form. So that may be something you go back and test. You know, the idea is good. Maybe we can make a little pivot on it to make it even more memorable. And that is the really a secret ingredient to good word of mouth is, is it memorable and remarkable? I think the opportunity here, since you are the guy that wrote talk triggers, but you're also the guy that owns the, a food business, right? So how do you, as a business owner with this knowledge, how, how do you use this in, in the companies that you're running today? Yeah, good question. This is a process I go through uh, on, on the startup side all the time. Uh, we primarily serve B2B company or we're a B2B uh, company. So we're primarily working with uh, other companies. So for us, you know, our, our sort of talk trigger is we're small and nimble. So we are fast at pilot process. People want to try out new approaches to food discovery. We can get those up and running within days if, if necessary. Uh, and and often the companies we're working with are amazed by that because they're big and are not used to speed. It's <laughs> things happen very slowly. So for, so for us, kind of our talk trigger category is really speed. 
we're way faster and more fun than anybody else uh, in our space. So that's kind of the one we've we've aligned on for the moment. You know, things markets change, customers change. I'm sure our business will change. That may not always be the case, but uh, that's kind of where we are at the moment. And you know, I think that's so true for a lot of probably your listeners. What is true for your business today may not be true next year. So we don't necessarily have to find the the permanent uh, idea, but great point. We need to find what's relevant to our customer today and capitalize on it. And that so that begs a question. Um, you since the books come out and you've gotten some feedback on the book, have you learned anything new um, as it pertains to talk triggers and the work that you do? We've, you know, we've just begun to seek examples of it everywhere. Uh, in fact, Jay, Jay and I, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, was the one-year anniversary of the book. And we had, we've discovered so many new examples in the last year, we decided to do uh, awards. So we did uh, the Talk Trigger Awards. You can actually go check them out on uh, the Talk Triggers website. That's talktriggers.com slash awards uh, is where they are. We had, uh, I think, about 18 different uh, candidates and six different categories, all doing such compelling stuff. So, you know, the thing for us, we've just begun to see them everywhere. And now we have readers also spotting them out in the in the wild and saying, hey, uh, you'll, you'll never believe the experience I just I just learned about. Uh, which is really fun. <laughs> that, that, it's fun to see that come to life, isn't it? So, so you know, around here, we focus on building freedom for entrepreneurs, uh, both financially and, quite frankly, freedom of time. And I think some of this goes into w- what we do, and that's why I was so intrigued by it, it, is I think it actually amplifies and enhances, you know, what we're trying to accomplish as business owners. I'm curious, in the realm of freedom, as somebody who's worked at Google, who's been in business and and researched some of this, um, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur today that was starting out? You're probably not going to be super surprised by my answer. Um, <laughs> the it, For me, the notion of uh, having been a lifelong marketer, that's the business I've been in. Uh, the idea that customers are probably the most uh, qualified marketer is, is something that I've come to understand later in life, <laughs> uh, and and it was underscored by the the work on talk triggers. You know, your customer is the most logical person to 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 do your marketing for you. Give them a reason to go out and shout about your business. You don't necessarily have to go spend money or time on marketing. You can sort of check that off. Cheesecake Factory is probably one of the most brilliant examples. They spend almost no money on advertising. And that's money they they get to filter back into their business, uh, back into the wages they pay their employees and uh, certainly back into their earnings. So, you know, if you give enough emphasis on that customer experience in a way that people notice and really talk about it, you're actually sort of taking work off of the table that you don't need to do, which is, I, I think, one opportunity to f- way to op- frame the opportunity. Um, so 
what can you do that's different enough people will notice it and talk about it? And that uh, creates a form of freedom, right? Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest, if we're not af- if we're not having to go out and drum up new business and if it's coming in the door, I think that's the ultimate goal for a successful business is to have word of mouth and um and I love that. And, you know, the, the takeaway for me is just a reminder. It's a, now is a good time. It's always now, by the way. But now is a good time if you haven't, as a business owner, go get close with your, your customers and clients and, and get that feedback. And to your point, that talk trigger might change. And I hear you saying that that, that just comes from your customers. They're going to tell you. Um, so I think it's great information. Daniel, we've come to the end of the show. Um, really appreciate you being on. If people want to learn more about talk triggers or even the stuff you're doing in the food business, how do they find out more about your organization? You bet. So the, if they're interested in talk triggers, I just mentioned it a few minutes ago. It's talktriggers.com. There's uh, actually tons of, of free stuff uh, there that can be downloaded. So uh, that's a good place to start. And if people want to catch up with me, uh, I have uh, my own website as well. It's my full name, daniellemon.com. I've got information about what I'm doing, what I'm up to, and uh, where I happen to be in the world. And just so we have that, uh, it's Daniel Lemon, and that's L-E-M-I-N.com. That's it. Uh, okay. Well, listen, been great to have you on the show. Um, I, I look forward to, hopefully, our audience will get a copy of your book, They'll find it as intriguing as, as I have, um, and, and we start to implement this. And so I'm excited, and I wish you the best. And until next time, guys, you're listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rick Hadrava, your host. I really appreciate you tuning in. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap. Build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.